I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, friends. We are recording this on Monday, January 30th, 2023. I can't believe we're about to be in February. We say this every single episode because... Time passing doesn't work in Nia's brain right now, but we're here. Yay. Well, and they're hearing this when? Like mid-February? Late February? February 13. Ooh, there you go. See? They're already halfway through the month. They're on like Valentine's Eve. I know. Sometimes I wish we could say something, but it really would work the other way around. Like if they could tell us what's happening February 13th and we learn about it on January 30th, but it doesn't really work the other way around. Are you talking about time travel? I'm talking about time travel. Brittany. We're so close. (laughs) Not really. No. Quick shout out. We got a couple of new Patreon subscribers. Ryan, Claire, thanks so much for joining us. Hope you're enjoying the behind the scenes content. And if you want to join, head on over to patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We're about to launch our book club, which our patrons have been voting on. So if you want to get in on that, head over three bucks a month to 12 bucks a month, whatever works for you. We'd love to have you. Yes, it's time to join. Do it now. You know you've been thinking about it, so just make it happen. (laughs) So, Brittany, what are we talking about this week? Oh, my gosh. This is so exciting. I mean, if you're listening right now, then you should be really excited because we've only ever done this one other time in nonprofit reframe history. Right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's accurate. And that is that we have a guest speaker. So we are talking about sabbaticals. There it is. And it's one of those mythical things that we've heard of, and it sounds amazing, and neither of us have experienced, right? Definitely not. I was trying to think about it earlier. I mean, the closest thing to that is maternity leave, and that is sure as hell not not Uh -uh. a sabbatical. Nope. (laughs) Does not count. (laughs) Nope. Nope. So we brought a special guest to talk to us about it today. But before we bring our guest on the air, uh, let's talk about sabbaticals a little bit. Because I I mean, part of the reason for this episode is because it's become a much bigger discussion. We have been talking about how work needs to shift through the pandemic. And now as we're getting to the next phase of the pandemic, and sabbaticals are becoming a much more common, I, it's not common yet, it is just more common thing, especially in nonprofits. I know in my history, I've only ever seen it in like educational spaces or religious spaces. What about you, Brittany? Yeah, same here. And wasn't this a topic given to us by one of our listeners? It also was. Yeah. Shout out to Shauna. Thanks so much for that. Yeah, I had never really heard about it in relation to nonprofits until maybe, I mean, it's the last couple of years, definitely not pre-pandemic. And, you know, we discussed so many different things on this podcast that, you know, we, we discussed so many things that are impacting nonprofits. And right now, a huge, huge, huge one is turnover, right? And we talk about how we go in, I work with clients, you work with clients who can never seem to get ahead or make progress because they're always hiring, rehiring, having to redo the job description, go through that process. And here is yet another really creative way to try to mitigate that, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
I actually found a study about sabbaticals and nonprofits. When I say actually, it's because this is not a well-studied thing in nonprofits, likely because it's not all that common. The uh, sample size is pretty small. So again, it'll be in the show notes as always. The study is called Creative Disruption, Sabbaticals for Capacity Building and Leadership Development in the Nonprofit Sector. So they looked at four different funders that provide funding and support for sabbaticals within the nonprofit sector and looked at what were both the short and long-term effects of that. And going through the report, to me, it kind of felt like there was the individual side of things, right? Like better work-life balance, better connection with family, better physical health. But then there was also the benefits to the organization. One of the things that I thought was most interesting was they talked a lot about how the organization's capacity and just overall ability to do succession planning really increases because it's basically like a dry run. Totally. And that governance is strengthened at the board level because similarly, they're having to like really prep for it and think through the logistics of it and then be able to and ready for a transition that most boards, let's be real, are not ready for when it normally happens. And that the leader who comes back after sabbatical has a either new or really crystallized vision for the future of the organization, which I really love. Or just pieces out permanently. Interesting. So I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually one of the lines of inquiry in the study. Like this assumption, people are going to get this time off and realize, fuck this shit, I'm done and leave. And they said at the end of it, only 13% of respondents either were leaving or had plans to leave in the next one to three years. Yeah, I can just see that as an excuse for boards of why they wouldn't want to do it, right? Oh, yeah. Why? We don't want to do that because then they'll just leave. And now we've just given them three months paid, you know, so good. I wanted to get that out there and yeah, demystify that from the beginning. And I'm sure as we're like hyping up sabbaticals, all of our listeners are like, okay, Nia and Brittany, that sounds awesome. How the fuck do we do that? And that's like the big question, right? So we've got these four funders. There are definitely a handful of other ones that actually fund support for sabbaticals, but it takes a lot and it takes a board that's willing to engage in these conversations and a staff team that's really ready to rally around it. And all of that goes to why we have a guest speaker. We are so thrilled to have Hayden Dansky here from Boulder Food Rescue, relatively recently off their own sabbatical to really give us the flavor for like what it was like, how did it happen, and what it could look like. So Hayden, thanks so much and welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. So Hayden, let's just start with how did this come to be and go into as much detail as you can, both from the organizational side, but also like the funding side. How did you get to have a sabbatical? Sure. So we are one of the lucky organizations, I'd say, that did receive grant funding to Wonderful. On the sabbatical. But honestly, to back up before the grant, I similarly, when you were saying, like, I haven't really heard of this in the nonprofit space until like the last few years when everyone's like drowning in work in the pandemic and like their whole lives are uprooted and everyone's like, let's go on break. And the way I originally came to BFR as a concept, as an idea, is that my co director is like, hey, I, they, I don't know where they came up with it, but they were like, you know, we, we do a lot around like we don't have the highest wages, you know, for our organization and we're totally can fit into some of the classic nonprofit overworked, underpaid, like mental, like experience. Mm-hmm. And we have been embarking on a journey of how do we create like the, the question I always ask myself is like, 
we deserve to live in the world we're trying to create. How do we create the systems and the structures that we put in place for us to have our own health and wellness as people in the same way that we create health and wellness for our community, right? And so like we've been on this journey of like, what does that look like as a staff team? What does that look like as a structure, right? And so when my co-director is like, could we one day build in sabbaticals? You know, the idea was already there. At that time, a few years ago, it felt kind of impossible. Like we're <laughs> like, now our staff team's 10, maybe we're like eight at that time. We're pretty small. We do a lot, high impact, low budget kind of thing. Um, and so we are like, Ooh, yeah, let's like talk about that later, you know? <laughs> <laughs> One day. And then the Colorado Health Foundation put out their first kind of grant proposal for funding sabbaticals. They fund executive directors across Colorado um, and they fund like four at a time. And from their very first like kind of newsletter statement about it, the person who is managing our grants at that time was like, Aiden, you should apply for this, you know, like immediately. And so it was kind of on our radar. And so I had a staff team who had the inklings for it. I had staff who's, you know, wanted me to have that break and that rest and a board who's super supportive. I mean, you all mentioned that some of the like prep work uh, before the funding is even like, who's on your team and what is the culture that you're building? And I think that's really important, right? If you have a board that is afraid to like, have your staff feel good, <laughs> then like there's some work that needs to happen in terms of building the culture. And that takes time. So the Colorado Health Foundation grant in particular, we were eligible for it because of some of our work. So we create community-led healthy food access systems in Boulder. And some of their work is around supporting low-income community members, health equity work. They're very focused on equity and racial justice and supporting community-led initiatives. So having community members and participants be a part of the programming and the decisions, right? And so because of our work, we were eligible for the grant. We fit within their priorities. But it wasn't just because of our work. It, their grant funding is also really focused on like leadership, who like is going to get the sabbatical, how does that, you all mentioned like the organization capacity, like how could it build the capacity of the organization? And it's really quite brilliant, right? Like you get your, you get your director some space and some rest and some rejuvenation and you build nonprofit leadership capacity across the state. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's a really incredible way for people to, for them to be putting their resources out there. And so I think both of those were happening. It kind of like we were, we were eligible for both. I applied the first round. I didn't get it. I received feedback. I applied again, got to the interview stage. And then after the interview, I literally started crying. Like it's a pretty, it's a pretty (laughs) intense grant. Like, because, you know, like when you write grants, you're like, look at how awesome our work is. Like, (laughs) look at how like amazing, you know, we are and all the people we support right Mm -hmm. and then with the sabbatical of your grant you're like look at how awesome our work is and i'm drowning like (laughs) right here's me and here's my stuff and here's my trauma and here's the ways in which i'm struggling as a leader and here's the way i really need help and like it's a very vulnerable process or and i don't know if everybody approaches it that way but i tend to be kind of like the open book so i was like here it is. Here's how overworking is crushing me and, and everyone else around me. Right. And so, and we could talk about that benefits later, but <laughs> like went through that process, started crying and I called a friend. And I think what happened for me is like, when I said it out loud, like when I wrote it, it was one thing. And then when I said it out loud, like why I 
I felt like I deserved rest, <laughs> which is totally radical for me and like my history. Like it, it just became so true to me. And so when I yeah. called my friend, she kind of like helped me reframe it of like, no matter what happens with this grant, it sounds like you need a break. It sounds like mm-hmm. you're really clear on that. And like, let's resource that, right? Like, let's figure right. out a way. They don't get to tell you if you're deserving of rest or not. Yeah. And so it was just this wow. really sweet, like, twist of like, and I say that because not everyone's going to ne- necessarily apply for the grant and get the grant, but mm-hmm. I do still think it's possible with time and energy and putting your focus on building the capacity of a sabbatical to make it happen. And what she did for me there was just say like, let's put a fundraiser on. Let's, and she did actually start a little fundraiser and sent it out to friends who knew me and raised a few Aww. thousand dollars. And so it was really sweet. Or like, let's, yeah, slowly over time, start building a sabbatical fund, right? For right. our organization where we're we're putting some into reserves and we're putting some into the sabbatical fund because we want to prioritize it. And then after a few years, we might be able to resource it. And it might not look the same as the Colorado Health Foundation's resources that are one of the biggest health foundations in the country, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's something, right? And so I say that because I also want to encourage other nonprofit leaders to start thinking about like, what are the ways you could resource it? Like, how do you dream? How do you make your dream a reality if, if it's not through the grant? And then I got a call, literally I got a call the next morning from the CEO and she told me I got it. So I was like, <laughs> I and like, then you panicked. started crying again. And then I started crying again. I was like, Tara, you got to be kidding me. Um, and yeah, I was like, I think I was the last to interview. So I got the call the next day, which was good because I was Aww. like uh, in that panic mode. <laughs> and it was like, I feel really grateful for the grant opportunity. And so I put it out there too, for people to check out that opportunity or other ones that are out there, because there's something about having the amount of resources. I mean, they pay for my salary for one, right? But they also, which you know, is kind of budgeted into our budget. So you could imagine that as like, that that was a bonus. But I think the real bonus for having the grants, they gave us additional funds for professional development and for capacity building among our staff. So we were able oh, to- Oh, wow, that's staff. great. Yeah, we paid the staff more money to cover me during that time. Yes. Instead of being like, oh, just cover me and like do a bunch of extra work and hopefully you don't burn out. It was like- I mean, there's some of that, right? Sure. Like, there's certainly some of that. And it was like, and here's the money to pay for your extra labor, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you should be compensated for that extra labor. And so to have that, like, kind of as an additional bonus, yeah. um, I think was really important. Well, and then it feels equitable, right? It's It's not like you're just dumping your workload on everyone else. Thank you for bringing that up because for these organizations who might not have the opportunity from a foundation or to apply for a grant, but want to plan it themselves, that's additional costs that they should work into their budget plan for it. No, I I just, I totally agree. (laughs) I totally agree. And the other kind of, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the other benefit, I think that what we did was like, we used the grant and my sabbatical, like the sabbatical is like kind of, what did you say? Uh, opportunity to troubleshoot succession planning. Yeah. Um, so my sabbatical is an opportunity to troubleshoot other people's sabbaticals, right? Oh, so like, nice. I'm the first, I'm a co-founder. I was eligible for the grant as a director, but that doesn't mean other people don't also need breaks, right? And so yeah. also we're still doing that of budgeting out for the next person to take a sabbatical, but there's also like a little bit of 
it's kind of like, it feels a little like, all right, you get my back now and I'll get your back later. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think there's an exchange there that takes it away from like, oh, I have to do this because my director's off having the time of their life and a little more of like, I'm doing this now and I'll also have this opportunity too, just as an additional benefit. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about just valuing your team and like the worthiness we all have for rest. Like you said, you you were very lucky to get the funds through a funder. Most organizations can't. And if we wait for funders to catch up and start paying for sabbaticals, it won't happen. Our work doesn't happen at the rate at which foundations recognize (laughs) how to do the right thing. And so, yeah, organizations are going to have to start figuring out how to do this themselves, how to build it into the culture, the funding, all, all those things that you're just talking about. And if they get it funded by a foundation, great. That, that's just like an ad bonus. Yeah, but if they don't start making a plan now or making at least considerations of it, then we're just going to continue to lose great people in the sector, right? Yeah. And so... I did notice when I was doing a little bit of research on this, that one of the foundations that gives out, I think they're in Los Angeles, the Durfee Foundation, they have on their website a do-it-yourself. So they actually have a kit on there or kind of a a plan that says, look, we recognize that not everybody's going to be able to have this opportunity to get it funded. So here's a do-it-yourself sabbatical guide for nonprofits with sample policies. And so we can put that in our show notes for everyone. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? Okay, so Hayden, you did all of this work internally, basically from the moment the organization was established. You got the money. You, you got your team in place. What did you actually do on sabbatical? <laughs> yeah, that's what we all want to know. <laughs> I, as someone who... Uh, and we'll go into the benefits a little bit, but as someone who it t- tends to be an overdoer, let's just say it that way. <laughs> yeah. My impulse was to be like, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going <laughs> to learn all these things, and I'm going to go to all these places, and I'm going to see all my, fa-, you know, it was like, that was like my impulse. And then, you know, I had a little like, <laughs> come to self moment of like, all right, dude, like the reason that you need a sabbatical is because this is your impulse, right? <laughs> um, and so... I, I did, I had like a, I feel like I landed on a pretty good mix of like travel. I went up to Banff, Canada and went backpacking by myself, Ooh, which was like a total amazing. Like, a solo. Uh, yeah, just like solo time in the woods alone. Yeah. Just like happy place. Right. I went to Costa Rica with a friend who grew up there, who's actually on my board, which is funny. Uh, and she was like, yeah, you should, you should go to Costa Rica and stay with my parents. And then she was like, wait, can I come? And I was like, yeah. And so we like went on sabbatical trip together. She, she took off from the board. I took off from stuff and yeah, traveled around. One of my kind of uh, goals was to like improve my Spanish. Like we do a lot of work with Spanish speaking communities and Spanish is like, okay, but to improve it and to also just like hang out and eat tropical fruit all day. Right. And so, yeah. So like I, I had some trips And I also had a lot of unscheduled time here at home. Like, I think that's another thing that oftentimes we take breaks and then we go do things, but having a staycation and just totally no agenda actually really changed me in a weirder way. Like to have 
just like the flexibility to be spontaneous. Like oh. I remember my uncle came over and was like, let's go have lunch with your little cousin, you know? And I spent like three hours talking to my 12 year old cousin, you know, like, <laughs> oh, uh, I love it. Yeah. So just like, and that's not something I would like be able to do normally just mm-hmm. to say yes, just to like take me where the day goes. It's like, no, nope, I got to fit in my packed agenda, you know? got to a lot of life admin and house projects and that's what I call it it's like life administration you know totally I I just hate it like absolutely hate it um like I don't want to spend another waking moment on the computer when I'm not working so yeah I got to just like have the space to like go to the doctor you know Um, but to have that flexibility was really profound for me I think so I spent a lot of time alone too and I think that's kind of the funny thing about sabbatical is that at least a lot of my friends are currently working. So I'd be like, hey, want to go on a bike ride? And they'd be like, no, it's Tuesday <laughs> at noon. <And> so, <laughs> like, All right, I'm going on a bike ride myself. And so I like, for me, that's like quality time. And it's like the kind of freedom to, yeah, freedom to do what do I want to do in this moment. And was it three months? Was yours three months? Yeah, it was. Well, it's four months away from work. And then um, the way the Colorado Health Foundation and sabbatical works is that you do one month as an executive in residence at the foundation. So you spend a month, you're not like working, but you're there. They give you like an office and a computer and like you go there and you get to learn about whatever you want. So it's kind of this, it's like you're not working for your work, but you're like learning and you're engaged in your work in some way. It's like a learning opportunity and a knowledge exchange. So I spent a month there and that was, I spent my first month there. Other people do their last month there, but I was kind of like, I'm going to come out of work into the foundation and then into like my solo time. So it's really interesting the way you describe what you did on your sabbatical. I mean, it, it strikes me as like, anti-capitalist deconstructing white supremacy and like how we overschedule and constrain our lives. Like, like you said, being able to say yes is so not how we live normally. And it's because of capitalism and white supremacy and like how those systems are so ingrained. I I just love like the freedom, the the anti-oppression of a sabbatical. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I mean, yeah, I mean, or being able to say no, as you were saying that and being able to say no, like, which was like kind of harder for me because sometimes I I have all this time, I guess I should say yes. But I also had moments of like, I am on sabbatical and yet I gave all my time away, you know, like, what am I? Oh, this is for me. Like, why am I helping all these other people? Which is good. Like, I think, again, that's my impulse is to say yes. And that's, some of, I, I mean, I, it is right, capitalism. It is white supremacy. It is mm-hmm. like, tra- I think it's trauma. Like I grew yeah. up in an environment where like, I don't think my self-worth was built up in a way where like, I could just say no and feel okay. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, man, I would be sure. safe, right? Or, and I, and I think also, and this is tied to, the, I think the benefit of taking a sabbatical for a lot of us in the nonprofit sector or yeah, people under capitalism or neoliberalism, right? <laughs> or people living in the U.S. in this time, like, yeah, our self worth can often be tied to our work, right? A hundred percent. Yep. It's one of the only things that I think when we overdo, it's socially and financially rewarded, right? right. Like, people are like, "Wow, you're yep. so incredible! Thank you so much for doing that." And then when we don't have that strong sense of self-worth outside of work, it defines us, right? But at the same time, like, I mean, I think our work should be recognized, right? Like it should be, like we should 
be appreciated for our work and like i think it can become maladaptive Mm -hmm. and it can cause a lot of harm right like when you are constantly saying yes and you don't have the space to be emotionally available for people or it's easier and quicker to make hierarchical decisions or like top-down decisions especially for people in leadership right Um, yeah it's easier to dismiss people being inclusive takes time right like unlearning white supremacy takes time and I think when we're in that pattern of overwork adrenaline stress and it's like a little physical reaction right we are causing harm to ourselves and to others and yet we get praised for it right and that's the unlearning like and I think what the sabbatical does is it helps you get out of that stress cycle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like literally I started sleeping better and I have sleep problems and insomnia stuff and that's also a trauma response but it was like immediately started sleeping better and then coming back I immediately stopped sleeping well <laughs> I was like oh, oh there's some information that's information right me, right like that's like a good thing to know about myself right um, my mm-hmm. body literally gets jacked up on like being consistently responsive to people and then I can't sleep. So like those types of things, but it also helps you like, it like forces the slowdown. It forces your nervous system to come down. It forces the yeses and the no. It's it's not even about yes or no. It's about slowing down enough to be like, what do I want to do in this moment? Mm, Right. mm -hmm. Like to have a choice again, right? Like to be like, oh, I have a choice. I don't just have to impulsively say yes because this funder asks for this thing in this spontaneous way, or this staff member needs this thing and I need to be a good leader. So I'm going to say yes immediately, you know, it like slows you down, which I think is good for the organization too. Like what is our intention here? What are our Mm. goals here? And like, besides like, how do you, I don't know. I always feel like I'm like trudging through the (laughs) capitalism, right? I'm like, (laughs) we can do something a different way. Like how do we do it a different way? And I think it like physically, like and mentally and emotionally does that for leadership right and, mm-hmm. and then it forces you to like you have a life outside of work like, <laughs> you have a life outside of work what are your dreams who do you want to be in the world what are you about you know and it's not to say that work is like I miss something I miss some aspects of work and the people that I work with and stuff but it also like helps you I mean you you spoke to some of the benefits of like coming back more creative and a fresh perspective and different things but it like helps you dream a little bit and I think that's mm-hmm. important when you're drowning in work that it's just like no 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 yes 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 you know like there's no like actual like, thought process around some of the things we do um, unless we slow down enough to, to really force that. Absolutely and I feel like all the things that you just mentioned the defining ourselves by our work finding value and being rewarded for overworking or going above and beyond, all of that is heightened in the nonprofit sector, right? Because the work is, even though we're getting paid, it's like charitable, right? It's like, well, you're doing good things for the world. So you could never not do enough good things. Like you just keep going. And yet at what cost? Yeah, that's right. And and we are, right? And that's the that's the paradox of the tension around I think it's more of a tension around it of like, yeah, we are doing good things, but we should be fucking recognized, right? <laughs> and like yeah, like at what point is it a choice versus that impulse, right? Or this like feeling of like, oh, I have to because because I'm working for an under resourced scarce nonprofit, right? Right. And like when we're operating out of scarcity and fear instead of like faith and abundance, then we tend to cause more harm than good. 
yeah, it, it, it just like, I think that's what it does is it just like amplifies the complexity of our lives and our choices, I think in a way that's really important and like forces that reflection. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, I was thinking as you were saying, like the 13% of people who decide they want to get the fuck out, right? Mm-hmm. Like part of me is like, you know, if they decide like, that is probably really hard for the organization. Totally. Right. And it's hard to have burnt out leadership. It's exactly. Hard staff, yes. It's hard on the organization, yes. you know? And so if, if they decide that's not where they want to be, like when people don't like their jobs, they make every, they, they're miserable and everyone else is miserable. Yes. So in yeah. some way it's like, you know, maybe that's actually the change that the organization needed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I totally agree. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'm so I'm so curious because I was reading a little bit about this. How long did it take you to fully dis- disconnect? So you did the month at Colorado Health Foundation, but then once you had no more obligations work-wise, how long do you think it took you? I mean, you said you were able to start sleeping better immediately. Was it pretty quick or did you really have to let things go over time? It's a good question. I used the month at the foundation almost as a way to just dis- slowly mm, disconnect. An off ramp, right? <laughs> yeah. It was an off ramp. That's a great way of describing it. It was an off ramp, and then the next one was the next trip I took was that solo backpacking time, oh, and then I was like, nice. "That's forced. You're just like literally alone in the woods with no service, right? No phone, like so you're just disconnected." And so I kind of like I quickly disconnected, and I think. The off-ramp was helpful for me. I was kind of pseudo-working, pseudo-not. So that was really helpful. I also think I've gotten better over time at disconnecting because it used to be the case a few years ago where if I'd take a vacation, I'd be thinking about work a lot, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so some of, like, it's not like the sabbatical came out of nowhere. Like, I think I talked about building the culture around it, but I think there was an emotional, mental part of it too that, like, I've been doing my work around how do I disconnect? How do I not overwork? Right. And so I, in some ways felt like, like, it's like you can stop working, but the worries there and the stress yeah. is there and the demands there. And and that's why, I, that's why I stay awake at night. Even sometimes there's not even a problem. I'm just like, it's thinking about things that aren't problems, but, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, oh, I should email that person. But like, I think some of it was easy to turn off because I've been preparing for so long. And some of that was my own personal work. And some of that was like literally been preparing. I think between when we got the grant, when I left, it was about a year. And so I prepared my staff. I prepared the board. We did tons of training. Like I put a lot of work into getting to that place. And I felt like I could leave and be like, I think I did everything I can do actually. And so yeah. I wasn't worried about it. Honestly, I wasn't worried about the staff team taking over BFR, like making decisions. I feel like, you know, we've been building up our leadership team and then it wasn't like they can't do it. It was more of like the worry of like, how much work is it going to be for them? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That was my mm-hmm. biggest stress of like, I hope they don't burn out. You know, it's like out of this like care for them, but less about the stress of it. So I turned off pretty quickly, actually. That's great. Um, and I had a ton of fun. And so I think that helped too, you know, because I was just like, I don't, I'm not worried about work. Let's go have fun. <laughs> like, so. Well, let's go with the reverse of that then. Tell us about reentry. What was it like having to go from the sabbatical back into work? It was tricky. Uh, I mentioned like 
oh, I immediately stopped sleeping again. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's information. Um, that's good to know. I started going back to like being worried about things or stressed about things. So some of those things came up, right? The physical effects of work on the body, sitting in a chair yeah. on the computer all day, by oh, my eyes hurt again. Yeah. So there were some things like that that certainly came up and felt tricky. Some of the reentry was tricky because my co-director gave me a, you know, four month report of what had happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the download like on a Tuesday afternoon, you know, and I was just like, wow, that was a lot of information in a short amount of time. <laughs> I might, I might rethink that part. I was like, give it to me. Like, tell me what happened, you know? <laughs> and then you're like, but, too much, too much, too fast. Oh, oh, mayday, mayday. What's up? What's not? What should I think about? Yeah. And I did have to like, okay, what happened that is done? What happened that's still mm-hmm. ongoing? Yeah. And a lot actually happened while it was gone. It was like kind of wild actually to see the big things that came up that you know, I was like, well, glad we troubleshooted something like that. But we could have, and it, it was things we could have never imagined. And they hit, they held it together, organizations together, all the staffs there, there's money in the bank. All right, we're good. You know, <laughs> so like there was a little bit of triage that had to happen. So there was some, like, you know, there's some reality to coming back that's, that felt hard in some ways. And I think all of those things that you all mentioned in that report of like some of the benefits, I felt was really true for me. I came mm. back more creative than I had been in a long time. I came back with this total fresh perspective where like strategic planning and I like looked at it and I was like, I think we missed some big things in here, you know, like really good, you know, wow. next three years, you know? And so just, uh, and I felt like I was coming in hot. I was like, I hope this is okay. Y'all. But like, <laughs> I got this idea and this idea and this idea. And so that felt really, it felt good. I feel like I came back with more confidence to like stand in my own power and to like, I guess, I don't know, like hold, like name my leadership. I can often do like, I'm like very inclusive. So sometimes I'm like, let's get everybody's idea on every single thing. (laughs) Like I can be a peacemaker. And so I had a little bit of like, no, I think this is the direction we need to have. And like, this is the direction we need to hold. And not in a like abrasive way, but just like, in a like, oh, I feel more confident in like my ability, which I think comes from space to feel more confident in myself. It's interesting you say that because in that same report, 87% of respondents said they came back to their jobs more confident. Really? Wow. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just like a clarity too, right? Like if the noise just kind of falls away and then you're able to really get clear on what it is that you want to do or the ideas that you have or... I think that, I mean, that sounds true to me. Like it was like this noise is gone. And you come back and even I came back and my staff were really gentle around reentry too. So they're like, let's meet whenever you feel ready. You know, let's like, but it was like having a blank schedule. I didn't have all these pre-scheduled meetings. Yeah. To do, li- I didn't have a to-do list. Right. I literally didn't. I had my co-director delete all of my emails and I put that in my email response when I was done. I was like, I'm not going to read this. If you need me, reach out in October. If you need anybody else here, here's everybody else. Oh my God. How empowering was that? Like, it was pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to read this email. (laughs) It was, yeah, because like, I'm not going to catch up on four four months of emails and then decide what's relevant or not, or what's been taken care of or not. And so it just kind of puts the, because that's one of the things that's hard. I'll take a week off and then I come back. Oh yeah. So busy that I'm like, why did I do that? So I just swipe that off my place. So no emails, no meetings, no to-do list. And so that blank, 
I almost was like, okay, I need something to work on. But I think that's where the creativity comes from, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're not drowned in that noise. Yeah. It's, yeah, I suggest that for anybody who does it too. It's a, it's, it feels like a total work-life hack. If you're going on a long vacation, just... Yeah, I'm not going to read. Well, we talked about it one time about a, there's a funder in town who that was her kind of like out of office message was like, I'm really busy. I'm not going to read this email. So and we talked about how crazy that was. And I mean, she could do it. She could do it. But to your your point about that kind of soft reentry, I was reading on the do it yourself that the Durfee Foundation put out, they called it a stealth week. So they said, when you come back, you have your first week be a stealth week where nobody really knows you're back, but you're just kind of, you know, maybe just meeting with a few people, but it's not like officially you're back. I liked that. So Hayden, we're about to wrap up. Any final words of wisdom, nuggets of anything you want to share with our listeners who are likely working in nonprofits and currently planning their sabbaticals while they listen to this. <laughs> I mean, I'd be curious to know what people are kind of up against and what are those tensions. But I mean, I think you all spoke really beautifully to the benefit, right? And so if the tension is like, what's the benefit, you know, building staff capacity, building up your leadership, building up your, like getting rest for your leadership, succession planning, like all of that stuff, like it, it's, it's proven to work, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'd say, yeah, remember like what it what it's for and remember like the long run, right? What is the goal here? I think again is because we also deserve to live in the world we're trying to create. Yeah. And when we rest and when we care for ourselves, we can do our work so much better. And we can actually like it is a part of building the mission of the organization, right? And so it takes a lot of resources, it takes a lot of time. Like I said, I spent about a year planning. It takes a lot of staff capacity and those things, I don't think at all, like nearly get close to outweighing like the potential benefit for the organization to fulfill its mission and like be in service to the community. So that's my argument for pro sabbatical. Um, you said do it. I'll vouch for you. I'll be the little like person on your shoulder. Like you can do it. You can do it. Um, you say it hard. You can just like play that on repeat or something. I love it. Oh, gosh, I think this is going to become one of our most favorite episodes. Hayden, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing your experience with our listeners. Folks, if you want to learn more about Hayden and their work and Boulder Food Rescue, check out the show notes. We'll have a link down there. I got to say Boulder Food Rescue is probably one of the coolest organizations I know of doing just freaking amazing work. Check it out. Don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll have some great quotes and a video from today's episode. Patreon subscribers who get the video, you'll get to see Brittany's cat quite a bit. Oh my gosh. Enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, email us nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Thanks. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind the scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofitreframe. We would like to thank our sponsors, Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at BrittanyWilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy, and planning, and equity support. 
You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.